Guys, I don't know what you all think, but I just don't think he's working out. No, not a fan. I know. I have to say. I mean, he hasn't even paid our new friend rent in like a month. He wouldn't let me wear his clothes. Rude. He looks like a guy that owes me money, so right? I'm just not gonna be able to. I know, and this. he kind of smells like that dog food factory. Oh my god, you know what I mean? like elbow. I know. It's bad. Yeah, I'm just not sure he's friend material. Somebody's gotta break the news. I'm not doing it. Mm. Really? <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry. We're gonna have to unfriend you. But don't worry, it's not you, it's us. Thanks though, we, we appreciate your time. All right, good morning, how is everybody? High five two people around you and say, I need you. All right, just like I need a cough drop. We're good. All right, high five two more people and say, you need me, I saw movement. You need me. Even if you're with our EFAM, do that. People are going to think you're crazy. It's all right. They're going to enjoy it. First of all, I did want to say thank you for everyone here today. Thank you for everyone that is watching online in our EFAM uh, who are enjoying us, maybe on Facebook Live, YouTube. We just this week started a podcast of the message because we have some awesome folks uh, who can make that happen. So whether you're joining us in the middle of the week on Sunday, we're so thankful that you've made space for us to come in today. So really quickly, as we got to, to get rocking and rolling before we dive into the message, we've high-fived, we've had some movement. I know everybody's tired, so I just want to make sure that you understand where we're coming from. This, I guess it would be Wednesday, right? March 1st, coming up Thursday. This Thursday is March 1st. And March 1st through the 21st, we're doing a 21-day fast, so no one can eat anything. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. What I would say is, uh, for the next 21 days, we're going to have a Bible reading plan for you. Joel was talking about it in the welcome, and here's what I'm going to ask of you through this, okay? Uh, for the next 21 days, give up one thing. This isn't Lent. This isn't what, what, what we're used to hearing this time of year. I'm just asking you to give up one thing. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's tobacco. Maybe it's energy drinks. Maybe it's sugar. Maybe it's desserts. Maybe it's a TV show that you watch every week. But over the next 21 days, give up that and spend time doing this Bible reading plan with us, okay? And what we're asking God for is what he would have for us to see and do this Easter, okay? So we're going to have that on our Facebook page. So if you're watching on Facebook Live right now, we'll have that up today. We're also going to try to find a way to get it on the vine.tv. Uh, if that doesn't work, like us on Facebook. You're on there already. Just scoot over to the page. Hit like. That way you can get the link and go through the 21-day fast with us. So is everybody cool with that? And if somebody says they're giving up mac and cheese, I'm going to pray quadruple hard for you. Because, I mean, I was praying real hard. I was praying real hard about that, but I see Jesus didn't lead me to that, so it's okay. Whatever you're walking through, just know over the next 21 days, 21 days, 21 days, commit to read this Bible reading plan with us. And I promise you it's probably only going to take five minutes, okay? Uh, so we're going to be doing that as a church and praying together. And I believe what Jesus is going to do through that is going to be absolutely incredible. So join us in that. So... 21-day fast. You're going to hear us talking about it over the next few Sundays. So come be a part of that with us. So as we're getting ready uh, for the message today, how crazy was that opening video? Uh, by the way, no one's paid me new friend rent here recently, so I just want to let you know it's a little crazy. Uh, but I, I, I thought about this uh, week, and I was getting excited, but I just want you to hang in here with me because I know I see folks taking notes. Maybe you're taking notes online as well if you're part of our eFam. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to hang in here. If you've heard this story before, 
act like it's the first time, okay? So as I was growing up and getting ready for this message, I heard this pastor tell a story. Go figure, as a pastor tells a story. So this could be a pastor joke, so just hang in here with me. I, I want sympathy laughs, okay? So that being said, I heard this pastor t- tell a story about creation, okay? And on the third day, God made a dog, and they told the dog, hey, I'm going to create you to live for 20 years, and what you have to do is sit outside your front door and bark at anybody who comes by. And the dog said, man, that's 20 years. 20 years is a long time to be barking and sitting outside of a door. So God, I tell you what, if you'll give me 10 years, I'll give you back 10 years. And if I live 10 years barking outside someone's front door, I'll live a happy and full life. And God agreed. You're not going to find the Bible anywhere. So don't hold me to this. Uh, so the next day, the day, the fourth day, God made a monkey. And he told the monkey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to entertain people and make them laugh, whatever you do. But do that for 20 years years. And the monkey looked at God and said, man, that's a lot of time to entertain people for 20 years. And for people to laugh at me for 20 years, I can't do that, God. I tell you what, let me do that 10 years and I'll live a full life. So I'm going to give you back 10 years. Okay. So he does that. So on the fifth day, God looks and creates a cow and he looks at the cow and he said, for 60 years, you'll labor and toil under the sun. And what you'll do is you'll provide milk for the farmer and have calves for the farmer to feed his family. And the cow says, God, man, that is That's a long time to be working, 60 years. So I tell you what, if you'll let me do it for 20 years, I'll have a full and happy life. So I'm going to give you back 40 years. So then God creates man on the sixth day, right? And he's talking to man, and man sits there, and he tells man, hey, I'm going to give you 20 years to enjoy life, soak it all in, and you will live a full life in 20 years. And man looks at him and says, 20 years? How am I supposed to enjoy life for 20 years. Why don't I get 40 of the years the cow gave back, the 10 years the monkey gave back, and the 10 years the dog gave back so that I can live a full life? So God, give me 80 years to have a full and happy life. And so what happens is man spends their first 20 years enjoying life and soaking it all in. It spends the next 40 years toiling under the sun to feed their family. The next 10 years, man will do nothing but make their children, their grandchildren, their nieces and grandnieces laugh and entertain them. And in their last 10 years, they sit on their front porch and talk to people who walk by. What's the thing I want to tell you through that story? There's nothing more important in your life than relationships, no matter what season you're in. God's created you for a purpose, with a purpose. And so many times we get stuck in the grind of worried about labor and toil for, for 40 years that we miss out on the joy of life. We miss out on the front porch. We miss out on the relationship. And the thing is, God made us for relationships. And that's what this series is all about. So I want to, first of all, apologize to you to say, I'm like the monkey, so I've been entertaining for a long time, so I don't know where I'm at. So uh, if I can get sympathy laughs through that. But as I was getting ready for this series and this, this, this message today, that story just popped out. And I heard that growing up. So if you're the pastor who told that story, I'm very sorry, but know that you made an impact on my life because I wrote a note down of that story to understand what season I'm in. So no matter what season you're in today, I believe today's message is going to be for you. I believe it is 100%. So as we get ready, these past few weeks, we've been talking about friending and we've laid the groundwork for the foundations of friendship. Last week, we talked about being one friend away from our future completely changing. And believe it or not, if you're joining us online, thank you for making room for us today. We've made room inside the auditorium for you. Come hang out with us sometime because this message is just for you because we believe you are one community away from changing the world. One community away from changing the world. Obviously, everyone across the world today is talking about Reverend Billy Graham at churches across the world and understanding what he did to have community in his life and realize that if he could just get to one community 
The world could be completely changed. Joel stand, was standing up here and said, hey, I invest in children, and investing in the children in, in West Africa is what we believe would completely change the world by just getting into the community. So today, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, is we're one community away from changing the entire world. So let's dive in. So if you have your Bible, I want you to get to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel. We're going to be in the book of 2 Samuel. It's going to be in the New Testament. It's going to be toward the beginning. If you've got your Bible, we're going to have it on screen right here in a second. But I was looking back, speaking of just how faithful God is and how awesome God is. Uh, if you know me, you figure if I'm going to talk about anyone, I'm going to talk about the Gospel of John. If I'm talking about Jesus, I'm going to walk through John. If I'm in the Old Testament, you expect me to talk about Joshua because that's my dude. Like, that is what I love doing, helping people step deeper into God's promise and, and seeing his promises fulfilled. Like, I love seeing that. But when I look back over all of the message since we've launched in October at the Vine, the guy that I've talked the most about is a guy we're going to talk about today, and that's David. Not just because David sings on Sunday, but David, it is David, really. David in the Bible is the guy that I've talked the most about, and I love it. Because God's been challenging me and showing me new things in his word. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to get to 2 Samuel chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 4. But before we do that, I want you to repeat this word after me. I'll tell you when to repeat it. Because I may mess up the pronunciation, so I'm going to need your help today. Alright? So I'm going to need your help today. So here we go. I'm going to say this word and repeat it after me. Mephibosheth. Oh, that was weak. We're going to try it one more time. Mephibosheth. One more time, and if you're online, you join in, and if people think you're crazy, watch the service with you. Mephibosheth. So how many people have heard of this, this person named Mephibosheth in the Bible? One person, maybe. Okay, awesome. I think all of our time growing up, we might have seen this and glazed over it, seeing this person in the Bible, and I'm so excited to share with you about this person named Mephibosheth today. So let's dive into God's Word. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. We're going to talk about... Mephibosheth. All right, so if I screw that up, y'all don't laugh at me. All right, we're going to get there. Second Samuel 4, verse 4 says this, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news came about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. Excuse me. His nurse picked him up and fled, and as she fled and hurried to leave, he fell, and he became disabled. And his name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. So before we go in here, you're like, dude, I thought you said you were going to talk about somebody. Where's David at in this story? Well, we're picking up the story. David has become king, and his best friend Jonathan has died, and he has a son. And in the moment of his son, in the moment of Jonathan dying and all of Saul's son dying, David becomes king. And so everyone gets scared because it's like one of those television shows we watch all the time. You know, it's got the drama and the action, the betrayal, all of that good stuff. It's got everything. So is the rightful heir to the throne. However, he's not God's anointed to the throne, okay? So in fear, they flee. And to his own, to not any of his own good doing, excuse me, to, to just, I guess, his detriment instead of his own doing, in the moment that they were running away, his nurse drops him, and he becomes completely disabled. So at first he was lame, now he's completely disabled when they flee. How crazy is that? Your whole life you're born into a position. Your whole life you're told that you're going to be king. Your whole life... You're sitting and eating at the king's table. Your whole life, you're told about how great you are, how great your kingdom's going to be, how it's going to last generations, and how you're going to lead God's people. And all of a sudden, in a moment of haste, when you run away, 
you become disabled. Let's talk about Mephibosheth today. Mephibosheth is what we're going to talk about today. So if you want to flip a few pages over with me, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now, y'all, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be real with you today. We're going to talk about community. And this isn't a speech, so I'm going to need some help. So I'm going to get some dialogue because y'all know I'm stuck in the monkey time frame. So I'm in the entertaining and laughs season on my life. So if I'm standing up here, I'm going to need some help. If you hear something and God's telling you something, speak back. Amen. Praise God. Talk to God because you're not giving me any praise. You're giving it to God. If you're watching online, same to you. This isn't a speech. This isn't a state of the union. This is an open conversation and a dialogue for us to have community. So I want us to be engaged and with each other today because we've got community in this house and you might have community in your house at the living room right now with kids running around like crazy, whatever it looks like, or you're sipping on your favorite chai latte in the middle of the week (laughs) wherever you are right now watching this in the coffee shop but I want you to be able to interact because I believe God's got something for you and the thing is you can make space for him and make room for him to come in or you can just sit there cold silent and stiff-necked so I want us to be open today let's go for it all right so second Samuel chapter 9 here we go we're going to dive in here we go all 600 verses it's going to be amazing God it's going to be great tough crowd 40 years. Are y'all stuck in the 40 years of labor? Is that what's happening? Y'all gonna have to wake up. We gotta do something. I'm about to be at my front porch waving. Y'all don't help me out. I'm just trying to be happy and have a good time. All right. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to be. Then David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's house named Ziba. What a cool name. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, He said, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there still no one alive from the house of Saul whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Mekur, son of Amiel, and lo, Debar. He is in low Debar. So here's the first thing. Here's the first thing I'd like to tell you this morning when we're talking about this thing called community. David models it in chapter in chapter nine, verse one, is community seeks. Real community will always seek. So here's David in this position of power, the one person that could dethrone him the one person that should get an army to come against him the one person that should take him out is the one he's actually seeking to find it's the one that he's going out to seek to find so let me tell you about this name say it after me Mephibosheth yeah 100% participation I hear you Mephibosheth let me tell you what Mephibosheth means the name of Mephibosheth in Hebrew means son of shame son of shame So the king is looking for the son of shame. How crazy is that? Mephibosheth is a son of shame. He's supposed to be the king. He's the rightful heir. But his name means son of shame. Here's what I know. Some of us today might be stuck in the shame of our past, shame in what we did in the parking lot, shame about what we're about to do in the parking lot later today. I don't know. Shame of what we said to each other, shame of something in our circumstances holding us down. But here's the thing. There's somebody seeking you. We're going to talk about that in a minute. There's a king seeking you. And here's what I want you to know what true community has in your life. True community will always seek someone else to come along. True community will say, hey, 
hey, I'm looking for somebody to come be a part of this. It's so good because what I have to give is so great, not because of me, but because of the one who died for me, that I can't help but share it with the world. And here's the thing. So many times we get stuck in our shame that we miss out. So Mephibosheth means son of shame. So there was a place, if you'll go back to, to verse 4, it says where Mephibosheth was. Lodabar, what a cool name. <laughs> he was in the Lodabar. <laughs> like he wasn't just in the bar, he was Lodabar. You know what I mean? Ten years, y'all. So he was Lodabar. He was in Lodabar. So let me tell you what Lodabar means, place of no bread. So the son of shame was in the place of no bread. How many of us feel that way right now? Our shame is stopping us from experiencing the bread. You're going to see where it goes, and if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're going to know what I'm talking about. But here's the thing. There is an entire community outside of this space, outside of wherever you are. If you're at your home watching online, EFAM, if you're at the coffee shop, if you're at work, you're in your car listening to it on your way to work, here's what I want to tell you. There's an entire, entire army of Mephibosheth out there that's stuck in their shame, and they can't experience what true life is, and they're begging for somebody to seek them. Real community will seek them out. Real community will say, what I have to share is so good, I can't help but share it with the world. Real community will wake up every morning and say, I'm going to help somebody today because if I don't, who will? That's what real community will do. Community will seek. So when I look at all of this and I think about where we are and I think about where David is and I think about who he is, I think about this, this time frame, and I, and I look at myself and I say, man, I've got so much room to grow in relationships and community and so many things God's worked out of me and so many things he's still working out of me. But here's what David did. David didn't say, was there a disabled son? David didn't say, was there somebody stuck in a place of no bread? David didn't say, where do you live? What's your zip code? What car do you drive? What shirt do you wear? Hey, what kind of music? What's your six presets? Hmm? <laughs> Are they on the Christian stations or not? Like, he didn't ask any of that stuff. He didn't put limitations on who he was seeking out. He just said, hey, hey, is there anybody left of Saul? Is there anybody left of Saul's house? It doesn't matter the limitations. I don't care what shame they're stuck in. I don't care what place they come from. The place of desolation, the place of no bread. If they're there, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to get them out. And David knew that it wasn't going to be him that got him out. It was going to take something greater to get him out. But real community will always seek that person. And what's crazy is when we seek that, it's funny how they show right up in front of us, isn't it? But so many times in our lives, we don't seek it. We're on our way from point A to point B. Guilty as charged. Point A to point B. That we miss out on the opportunity to give someone true community. Like, hey, maybe, maybe... Maybe you're, you're stuck trying to pick up a truck for work or <laughs> for a service or you're at the gas station and you're having to wait in line. What if it was an opportunity for you to seek out community with someone you're waiting in line with at that moment, at that time? Real community will do that and say, who here, who here can I have community with? No limitations, no preconditions, no, no like time frames, no like... <laughs> hey, you can only come like 
because this place is here, this, you're lame, okay. <laughs> yeah, you're such a lame-o. Like, nothing like that. Like, it wasn't anything like that. It was seriously, you didn't have to have cool status. You didn't have to have X amount of Facebook friends or X amount of followers on Twitter or X amount of posts or X amount of Instagram posts. You didn't have to have that. You just sought someone out. It's what real community is. And so my question is for each and every one of us, do we have real community in our life? Who are we seeking out? Who do we wake up in the morning and say, if I don't help them, who will? Because it took someone doing that for you to get you here. It took someone doing that for you to show you who Jesus was. We talk about the impact of one person's obedience. One person's obedience and how it echoes in eternity. You don't know what Je- the plans Jesus has for that person. If David was worried about Mephibosheth's plans, Mephibosheth's plans, he would have never wanted him in his presence. Probably wanted to kill him. Because he's the one, he's the one who was the rightful heir. He's the one who should have taken the throne over. But instead he comes and says, is there anyone left that I may bless? Is there anyone left that I may bless? So let's go on with this story and let's continue on to see, see what real community looks like. Because community starts by seeking out people regardless of their shame, regardless of the place they're in, regardless of... <laughs> of the desolation that they're experiencing, regardless whether they can put food on their table or not, regardless of whether they can, they can show up in the nicest car and the freshest clothes with the best haircut, regardless, community will always seek. So let's go on to see in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 5 through 8, how David goes on and plays this story out with Mephibosheth. With Mephibosheth. So what does King David do? He executes him. No, I'm just kidding. What a terrible story that would have been. Just in... 10 years, y'all. 10 years. Tough crowd. I'm working on it. I'm about to start waving. I'm telling y'all. I'm about to start waving. We're going to get it. So David straight up has him brought from Lodabar. He has him brought from the place with no bread and the house Makir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to you or belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Hmm. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? A dead dog like me. The second thing community will always do is give back. Community gives back. You see, I think of Mephibosheth, and I think of where he is. He says, a dead dog like me. He says, a dead dog like me. How many people in our life can't experience true community because they think they're not worth it? Like, think of all of that. How many people in their life have this idea of Christian community and have this idea of church and this idea of what it looks like to follow Jesus, this idea and these preconceptions and these notions, and it's leaving them in a place of despair. It's leaving them in a place of shame. And they just need somebody to come along and say, hey, I want to have community with you. Hey, will you have community with me? Hey, will you come be a part of this? And let me tell you what real community will do when it gives back. It will always give back that person more than they ever thought they would have lost. Look at Mephibosheth. He's thinking, David's going to kill me. I'm coming into the presence of the king. 
You know, the last time I was in the palace, I had everything. I had it all. The last time I was on the mountaintop, everybody loved me. They followed me. They tweeted me. They took my quotes and they unpacked it. And and it was just all about glory and fame and everything that was going to happen. And the next time I go back, I'm going to die. I'm truly going to die. And the king brings him in his presence. And he's like, he's going to kill me. But what does David do? He completely changes what community looks like and says, instead of killing you, I'm actually going to bless you. Instead of giving you what you think you deserve, which is death, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give back to you what you thought you had lost. Because when you left, you said, I've lost this piece of land, this house, these camels instead of cars, I guess. You've lost these donkeys. You've lost these vineyards. You've lost these people. You've lost this relationship. And I want to give it back to you and restore it to you. Let me tell you why that's important in community. Because in community, there's two, there's two types of people in the world, right? There's the social media you. You know, having fun. You know, like all that stuff, right? Like there's a social media you that's got it all together and they didn't see the 20 pictures that you took to get that one. Like to get the hair just right, you know, like the right pose. Like they didn't see any of that. They just saw the one, and they're like, man, their family's so put together. They've got it all together. And what community does is it lets you let your hair down, kick your shoes off, and just be you and say, it took me 30 pictures to get there. You should have seen me this morning. Like, for me, I didn't even put on my mascara today, y'all. Like, it was just crazy. It was tough crowd. Ten years, y'all. Uh, so that being said, really, 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 what community will do is it will give you back what you thought you lost. And so many times in our life, we've been burned by community. I don't know how many of the people in the room can say they've been burned by the church. They've been burned by people because their expectation was death. Their expectation is that they were shamed and they were never going to be good enough. Their expectation is that church people are just going to beat them down for where they are. Their expectation is they're going to judge me for going to the bar on a Saturday night. And I want to tell you what, real community doesn't do that. Real community says, hey, come on, we got room. Come on, we got room. Come on. We're going to give back to you what you thought you lost. You thought that you weren't going to have a relationship with people from church. You thought that people from church were just going to shame you, tell you how bad you are, and take your money, and go buy private jets, and tell you that if you don't give a million dollars that the rapture's going to happen, and, and make you wear skirts that are a certain size, and your hair be cut a certain length, and you can't go to certain concerts, and you got to block certain channels on your television, you got to block radio stations, you got to do all those things, and you can't be a friend of those people, right? You can't be a friend of those people. That's what people think community is in the church. And we can be different. We can show them the difference by just giving them back what they thought they lost. And that only happens in a relationship. That only happens when you, when you seek them out. And then when they finally come into your presence, accept them. Invite them in. So many times they're getting here and they're like, oh God, here they come. Mm. Turn off the lights right quick. Act like we ain't here. Like, right? Like, like it's that Saturday morning. You know that knock. So it's like that Saturday morning, you get a knock, and you're just like, oh, Lord, this man's going to try to come pull my weeds again. <laughs> like, come on. Does it look like I pull weeds in the garden? No, <laughs> I ain't paying you to do it. Right? Like, you get that door knock, the poor guy. But I could either do that, or I could open the door and talk to him and tell him what I get to do and share with him the hope that is the gospel and the hope that is Jesus Christ and say, hey, man, I don't know what you do on Thursday nights, but this same house that you want to pull weeds up at, you can do it to your little heart's content and somebody will feed you. So on the back end of that, come hang out with us sometimes on Thursday at the greenhouse. Come hang out with us Sunday morning at church because I know that what you think you want is only one job, but maybe you might get back something greater if you just have community with me. And so here's the thing, what real community not only seeks, always give back. So my question is, who in your life are you looking to give back to? Are you looking to keep it for yourself? 
Because David had it all. He had the whole kingdom. What you may not know here is David has become king of this tribe called Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan is this, this nation called Israel. So they had two kings. Saul was king of Israel. David, who's supposed to be king of Israel, is king of Judah. And all of a sudden, Saul gets killed by those nasty Philistines. And all of a sudden, all these people die. Saul's whole family dies. And now David is king of all Israel. He's got it all. And you would think, man, he's in the front porch era of his life. He's going to sit on the front porch and wave at everybody. It's easy sailing here on out. And instead of keeping it to himself, he was trying to find ways to give it away. And real community will do that. Real community will understand that I am just a conduit for God. I don't get things from God to keep it myself. I get it to give it back away. That's what community is about. And my question is, who has God given you? What has God given you so that you can give away? Maybe it's your time. Maybe it is your money. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's the weeds in your garden that you can give away for free when the man comes to the front door. I don't know what it is, but God's given you something that you can give back and give away. And my question is, in real com- if you have real community and you're in real community, you'll always give it away. So the question is, are you in real community? Are you looking for ways to give it away? Or do you just show up so you can take? Because that's not what real community is about. Some other things that that I wanted to talk about here inside of this and giving back is at the beginning we, we said, I need you and you need me. And there's something that goes as funny. Joel was talking about being in West Africa this morning. There's an old West African proverb that says this, I will go quickly by myself, but together we will go far. In community, that's what it is. When you give back, you'll understand that we'll go so much farther together than we ever will apart. And the thing is, if you're trying to live in the life of desolation in Lodabar and the place with no bread, you're stuck in your shame, you're stuck in your past, you're stuck in thinking people won't accept me, people won't love me, that if they just knew what I did, they're going to judge my tattoos, they're going to judge my shoes, they're going to judge my jeans, they're going to judge my shirt, they're going to judge my car, they're going to judge everything about me because you're stuck in your shame. Maybe, maybe that's the best car you could afford. Maybe, that, maybe that's what it is. And, and you know what? It's rolling on four spare tires, but it gets you from point A to point B. You don't care. And you're so worried that people are going to judge you from that, that you stay in this place of desolation because you don't have real community, because you don't understand God made you for a purpose, and there are people in your life that God wants you to be in their life, and they need to be in your life, and together you'll grow in the Lord, but apart, you're just going to miss out, and you're going to stay lame, you're going to stay sitting still, and you're going to stay in isolation, and real community will help you break free of that, because you understand that what you give in real community, you'll not only get back, but you'll always receive more than you ever give. So when you're all in in community, I promise you, you receive more. When you give half, we got about three quarters. But if you give all of yourself in community, married people, am I speaking of yourself in community? If you give all of yourself, it's amazing how you'll grow. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. It just means you grow in what God made you to do. Real community, real community will allow you to do that. And so the last thing, that we're going to talk about is 2 Samuel 9, verses 9 through 13. We're going to finish out this chapter and talk about, talk about Mephibosheth here. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring back the crops. 
stuck in that 40 years, remember at the beginning? <laughs> so that your master's grandson, here we go, in that, those 10 years of entertaining, may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Will always eat at my table. <laughs> now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. What a family. <laughs> 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. Cool names here. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And I love the footnote. He was lame in both feet. Yet he always ate at the king's table. Real community makes room. Real community makes room. Real community says, pull up a chair. Real community says, we've got plenty. Real community says, there's a time and a place, and we'd love for you to come to this time and the place and be with us. Real community says, get a fork. We're going to eat. Real community says, we've got room. Real community says, come be a part. Real community will always give back. So my question is, who are you making room for in your life? We've got room here. We've got room. If you're online, you've got room in your house. We've got room at our house. Come join us. Wherever you are in real community, you always make room for the one that you're seeking and the one that you want to bless. You'll always make room for it, right? Isn't that the fun part of it? The joy of it? The friendship? The community? Even when you hate each other, you love each other? Like, isn't that fun? I know for my eight marriages, well, I'll figure it out. I'm just kidding. That's only seven. Uh, but no, really. Not any. Not any. Not any there. Praise God and amen. Uh, that being said, that being said, for real, for real, in real community, there are times that you just want to punch each other in the throat but you love each other enough to do what God's called you to do. It's just times you want to do it. There is just times, like, let's be real, because real community will show that shame, that thing you're the most ashamed of, the thing that you cussed about on the way here, the thing that you cussed about on the way to work, the person that you say gets on your nerves all the time. Right? Stop looking at me. It ain't, dang, there's just people pointing in the room. Real community will always make room. So as we're talking about this thing called friending, we've talked about how to have a foundation of friendship that's without discrimination, that doesn't care what people look like, doesn't care what they say, that it's just something that protects in love. And last week we said, hey, who's your one friend? We wrote down this list of five people and we said, hey, make room for one more. Maybe you only had two. And, and so this past week you're supposed to make room for three. I'm not here to shame you, but I'm going to say it's another opportunity to see your community grow because here's the chance for you to make room for one more. Here's a chance for you to see that it isn't just one more that you can make room for, that there's a community of people inside of this house and inside of a house on Thursday night that just want to welcome you in and say, come just as you are. I don't care what walk of life you're from. I don't care what church you're from. I don't care what sin you bring in. I don't care what shame you bring in. You're welcome at the table. And so the thing is, when you have real community, people want to be a part of it. People can't help but see something different. They're just like, they crazy. I don't know what's going on, but they are crazy. I want to be a part of that. Why are they so happy right now? This should be a crazy time. Or, hey, even though they walk through the hardest time in the world of cancer, 
or they walked through the hardest time of death, somebody inside of that room walked with them through it. So do you have that in your life? Because here's the thing I want to tell you. Here's the thing I want to tell you about community. We were made for community. You know, we talked about at the beginning this creation story, and we had a little laugh, and really, it's not in Genesis, so don't quote me. I'm not trying to misquote the Bible or tell you anything crazy. You won't find that story. Hey, it'll be funny if it is. One day we'll meet Jesus, and he's going to be like, hey, that really was a story. It did happen. I don't know what happened, but that pastor told you a story. It happened. It's just not in the gospel, or it's not in the, it's not in the Bible. But in the beginning, God created man, and he said it was good for man not to be alone. We were created for community. So much so that here's the thing that's really crazy. Like, God wants a relationship with us. God wants us to have a relationship with him. The very creator of the universe created an opportunity for us to be there. And we had a relationship with him. And it was so crazy that we said, hey, he's not surely going to kill us for our sin. Like, I know he told us to do 99 things, and I've got 99 problems, but eating from the fruit tree ain't one. So I went to the, the tree of wisdom, and I went and I ate of it, and I found myself in my nakedness and my shame. All of a sudden, I denied the relationship I had with Jesus. So I went to a place of no bread, and I found myself on the outside looking in. I found myself on a place where I should be. I should have been in the place flowing with milk and honey. I should have been in the place that was the garden. I should have been in the relationship, but I found myself on the outside looking in, and I longed for that community all the way through. Man's always searched for it. So much so, so much so, we'll spend our entire lives filling that with a community of addiction, with a community of career, with a community of education, with a community of cars, with a community of everything else, but what it was truly meant to be, community with the creator of the universe. And what I want to tell you today is this. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but every one of us, every single one of us, are Mephibosheth. All of us. We were stuck in our shame. We were wanting bread. You know, there's one person that walked this earth that said, hey, I'm the bread of life. And his name is Jesus. And believe it or not, we're about to celebrate his resurrection here in a few weeks. And it's really funny that this story comes up to me because here's the thing. He says, I'm the bread of life. And he says that only through him is a way to the Father. Only through him is the way to have a relationship with the very creator of the universe. And so many times we get stuck in our shame and we're prideful that we won't take that step because we worry about what people say. We worry about what people are going to do. And we worry about it. Instead of stepping out of the place of desolation and isolation into a place of community. And what's crazy is, sometimes we forget we were Mephibosheth. We've sat at the king's table so long, we forget what he saved us from. And we forget that there are people, there is armies of Mephibosheths in the world that cross our paths every day that are looking for community. And here's the thing, you and I can't truly provide it unless we have a relationship with Jesus first. Because all we're going to do is point them to him. And Jesus says he is the king of kings, Lord of lords. We see that all through Isaiah. We see that all throughout all the messianic prophecies, all the things of Jesus to come to seek and save the lost, restore relationship that was forgotten and cover the shame of our sin. But he loved us enough that he makes room for us at the table for eternity. You know, there's a story in the Bible where he looks back at the disciples and say, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not true, would I not tell you so? 
So here's what I want to tell you today. Maybe you feel like Mephibosheth. There's a king searching for you. There's a king that's not looking to kill you, not looking to condemn you, not looking to tell you everything that you are that's wrong, not trying to shame you and guilt you into a relationship with him. He's knocking on the door and saying, if you'll just step into my presence and let me come in, watch what I can do. I just want to bless you. And the thing is, sometimes we can get stuck because we fill it with everything else. So as we get ready to close and we're talking about this true community, I just want to ask you that. Maybe you look back at your your relationships. You're just trying to restore it. Maybe your marriage is in shambles. Maybe your finances are in shambles. <laughs> Maybe your life is in shambles and you're stuck in the shame and you're searching for some community and you find it at the bar. You find community, but you still want something more. You find it in the sports at the gym but you're still searching for something more. It just doesn't seem like it satisfies. Like, it fits for a season. It fits for 10 years, and then, then it falls apart. Like, I just don't understand. And here's what I want to tell you today. You're missing an opportunity to be in the presence of the king. And so your relationship has to start with Jesus before you can ever see your relationships restored, before you can ever see what you have lost be brought back. You see, here's the thing. All of us are Mephibosheth because all of us are stuck in the shame of our sins. And it took something greater than us to bring us into the presence of the king, something greater than us to bring us into the relationship with the father, and that was a king lived a life that we couldn't live and died a death that we deserved, but loved us enough. He left a tomb that was empty so that we can have a life, so that we can have community with the very creator of the universe. And who better knows us and wants to have community than us than the one who created us? Parents, you understand that. You know your children better than they know themselves. <laughs> you know what they're about to do. You can just look at them and see what they're thinking, and you already know. Oh, something's coming up, right? There's a creator of the universe who wants to do the same thing, and he wants to have community with you. The thing is, only you can make the choice to receive the gift. Mephibosheth bowed down at the king's service and said, what am I that I'm a dead dog that you would allow me to be blessed? And David didn't say, you need to do this 10-point checklist. You need to have these things together. Go get your finances in order, tithe to the church first, and then you can be saved. He didn't say, hey, go, go kill these 10 lambs or go, go, go take over this territory. Go dress a certain way. Go get your legs fixed. Go do these things. Instead, he said, hey, you just have to believe. Yes, just receive the gift I'm giving you. And we're about to pray here in a minute. It's not the, pr the words of this prayer that will ever get you saved. It's understanding that a, a king, a king went before you. And a king wants to restore you. And a king is just asking you to receive the gift that only he can give. And so here in a minute, we're going to pray this prayer. But the way that we have a relationship with Jesus is this. We understand that we were stuck in our shame bread, a place that was isolated, desolate, and bound for death. And we understand that because of our shame, we deserve death. Because of our sin, because of our sin, we deserve death. The one thing in common we all have is sin. And because of that, we deserve death. But here's the thing, the king's calling us home. The king is saying, hey, if you'll just accept this gift, 
I will restore back to you the life that you seek to find. If you just receive this gift, you'll not only have a community with those around you, but you can have community with the creator of the universe. You just have to believe that I am who I say I am and that I am the son of God and that I lived a life that you couldn't live, the perfect life. I've already checked all the boxes off and that I died the death that you deserve and I've already done it, but I loved you enough that it didn't stay dead. There's an empty tomb that you can go visit right now and the stone is rolled away and you can see that you can have life and hope eternal because nothing in this world will ever satisfy. Nothing in this world will ever fill. No relationship that's false will ever fill, but only the relationship with Christ will ever fulfill. And we just believe he is who he says he is. So as we get ready to pray, I just want to open the opportunity up for you. Maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. You're stuck in your shame. <laughs> you know, you think if I told everybody how I sinned, what would they think? <laughs> Seriously. We would celebrate and rejoice you coming home if you realize who Jesus is. And so today I want to provide the opportunity for you to have community with a very Savior of the universe. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you to repeat after me for the benefit of those who are coming to Jesus for the first time in a relationship with him. I'm just going to ask you repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner stuck in my shame. I believe you died for my sins so that I may have life. I believe you rose on the third day so that I could have a relationship with you. Come take over my life. Teach me how to follow you. Step by step. The best way I know how. For the rest of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Inside this house and in your house online. Or maybe you're watching in the middle of the week here. I just, I'm going to count to three. But here's the thing. I want you to step out of your shame. I want you to understand that a relationship with Jesus will cover all of your sin. And I want you to be bold enough to raise your hand if it's the first time that you truly have seen Jesus is who he says he is. And have community with the very creator of the universe. The community with the one thing that can restore. The community with the one thing that can give you life. The community that will give you back more than you ever thought you could ever have. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. That's the first time that you prayed that prayer with belief. Raise your hand. If you're online right now, I'm begging you, leave a comment. We would love to follow up with you. We would love to celebrate with you because your community is starting just now. Your community is waiting here to celebrate with you. Your community is here wanting to walk with you step by step through this journey that is life so that you're not alone, so that you're not stuck in your shame, so that you're not in your place of desolation. We want to celebrate with you standing before the King. If that's you, I'm going to ask you online right now, respond. Click like, email us, leave a comment. Whatever you've got to do, let us know because we want to celebrate with you. And for everyone else, for everyone else, I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to come back up and we're going to have a song of worship and then we're going to pray at the end. But I'm just going to pray for you and ask for all of us, what kind of community are we sharing with the world? Because if we share the community of Jesus with everyone we know, man, we can't help but see lives changed. So Jesus, give us the strength and the boldness to share you with everyone we see, 
Let us make room for community today. Let us see others that are out there and understand if we won't stand up to help them, who will, Jesus? Let us point them to you in everything that we do. And let us always find ways to give back, always find to bless others more than they've ever blessed us. So Jesus, as we get ready for this time of worship, open our eyes, let this, let us just sense your presence and be in community with you like never before today. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen.